Testament passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 2 through 11. When John the Baptist heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John that you hear what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God within us, and for the word of God amongst us. Thanks be to God. Uh, last week, we looked at another passage uh, that was about John the Baptist uh, early in his ministry. And I accused the biblical writers of not doing a good job with creating real character development. Uh, there was no character arc. It was just uh, John the Baptist's mom was pregnant, then she had a baby, uh, and now he's on the scene. Um, and I made that claim before I read ahead in the story. Uh, and now that I've read ahead, I realize that we do have some significant character development with John the Baptist. When we saw him last week, um, he was out in the wilderness making bold claims and statements. But now, he's in prison and he's questioning. He's doubting those bold claims that he made before. Could they have been incorrect? Was Jesus really not the Messiah? Or was there somebody else we should be waiting for? And one thing that the Bible writers do often is this. They take these heroes and heroines and they humanize them. They show their faults. They show their doubts. They show their shadow side. And some would say that the, Bible, the biblical writers do this so that we wouldn't worship the characters in the Bible, but instead we would worship God. That they wouldn't be our inspiration, they wouldn't be our admiration, but God would be our inspiration and God would be our aspiration. And that's probably true. But in this story, Jesus is not trying to take away anything from John the Baptist. So John's in prison, 
and I imagine that he's hit rock bottom. That prison has done to him what prison does to prisoners. Strips them down, makes them question who they are and what they dedicated their lives to. There's a deep loneliness there. And starting, he's starting to question this whole message, this thing that threw me in prison from speaking out. Maybe I shouldn't have done it in the first place. It wasn't worth it. And how do I know for sure this guy, Jesus, really is the Messiah? And so his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples show up, his followers show up to visit him. And I imagine uh, John's on one side of the glass with the telephone and uh, the disciples are on the other side of the glass with the telephone. How's it going in there, John? You, you hanging in there? And they can tell things are not good. Things are not good for their leader. He's not the man that they followed. And they can hear him questioning. They can hear him doubting that which he was so once so confident about. And so maybe John does say to them, would you go ask Jesus if he is the one? Or maybe amongst themselves, for their leader's sake, they need to go and ask. So these disciples of John the Baptist, they go out to Jesus as he's surrounded by a crowd, and they ask him, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Our leader wants to know. And if not, should we be waiting for somebody else? And in this moment... Jesus has this opportunity, this opportunity to point out the lack of faith that John the Baptist has. Use the line, ye of little faith, and separate himself from John the Baptist. But he doesn't. And Jesus doesn't answer their question either. When they come asking, are you truly the Messiah? Jesus doesn't answer the, their question. He doesn't give them this perfect answer that, that would be helpful. Yes, indeed I am the Messiah, the Son of God, the second in the Trinity, fully man and very human, as the, uh, fully man and very God, as the song goes. That's me. No. Because Jesus knows that the thing that John the Baptist doesn't need right now is doctrine and dogma. And so instead of sending the disciples back to John with the answer, with the truth, with the gospel, with the transformational message, instead he says, go back to him and tell him stories. John, in his deepest, darkest hour, the last thing he needs is doctrine and dogma. What he needs are stories and testimony. Jesus knows that that is what's most valuable. One, that he's not alone. That those who were once devoted to him are still devoted to him in his persecution. And so he sends them back. 
Go and tell them what go and tell him what you see is going on out here. Testify. Bring stories of healing and restoration. That is what John needs in this moment of despair. And so they go. They do as Jesus instructs. And when they leave, Jesus turns back to his crowd. And he addresses the crowd. And I want to believe that somebody in the crowd maybe made a, a snide comment about John the Baptist. <laughs> Some prophet. Sure, he can say all these things, call out the religious leaders. But when the times get tough, when the crowds go away, when he's in prison, all of a sudden, where's his, where's his faith? Where's his devotion? Where's his prophetic word? And I want to believe that Jesus turned to whoever made that comment. And he looked right at them. He said, you went out to the desert to see John the Baptist. You went out to the wilderness to see him. Why'd you go out there? What were you expecting to see? A reed that blows with the wind? Somebody who's spineless? Somebody who's soft? Somebody that wears soft robes? And has smooth preacher hands? <laughs> is that who you went out to see? Is that why you went out there? Is because that's who you heard John the Baptist was? Was that his reputation? That he was some smooth talker? Mostly all hype? No, it wasn't. The reason you went out there is because you knew he was a prophet. And he is a prophet. Jesus has this opportunity again to elevate himself. To point out the lack of faith that John the Baptist has. And says, if you all want to be my followers, you need to have more faith than even John the Baptist. That when times get tough, the tough gets going. Lean on me. And I'll be your Messiah. Jesus makes no effort at this. In this moment, he's not trying to separate himself from John the Baptist. He's not trying to elevate himself from John the Baptist. And he's not trying to point out John's weaknesses. Instead, he affirms John's strength as a prophet. That this recent doubt, this recent questioning, doesn't disqualify John from being a devout follower, to being somebody of wisdom, somebody that we should listen to, somebody with a message from God. And maybe you have been accused by somebody of not having enough faith, of losing your faith. Maybe you've been accused of not being loyal enough. And people, that same person who accused you, they probably didn't call you out on it directly. They probably just said, well, you know, we're praying for you. 
And then they turned around and they said, did you hear? She, I think she started using CBD oil. <laughs> she used to be so strong in her faith. But Jesus has nothing to do with this. Jesus wants nothing to do with this. Jesus is not worried about the doubt. Jesus is not worried about the questions. Jesus sees that this is what it's about. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor theologian who was imprisoned by the Nazis, said the Advent... Advent is like sitting in a cell. That kind of waiting that you do when you're in prison, clinging for any bit of hope, the tricks that your mind plays in that wait, as you wait for somebody else to unlock the gate, that's what Advent is. And this is what we're waiting for. And as we wait, Jesus gives us room to question and doubt if he even really has the power to save us. But this Jesus that we're celebrating, is he, did he really change anything at all? The holidays are all about belief, Miracle on 34th Street. The message is that you have to believe enough in Santa. And if you believe enough in Santa, your presence will come. And if we believe enough in Jesus, Jesus will save us. You believe enough that the gifts that you're going to give to your kids are going to make them happy, then you will be happy. But in these moments of waiting, according to Jesus, belief is not what we need. What we need is people to come around side of us, come around side us. And for those of you who've been accused of not having enough faith, know that Jesus is defending you. That Jesus will have nothing of it. That Jesus will think back to who you are and what you've done. And will brag about you. Will find pride in you. And for those of us who see those who are struggling to believe. Those who are questioning everything. The last thing we need to do is show up with the answers with good theology, an invitation to this new church that we think you'd really like. Instead, show up with some stories. Stories of hope and restoration. That we would be sitting around the prison cell, sharing stories from the outside. That those stories we would cling to. That someday that those stories would be our stories. 
We're grateful for this community and this place, this place that we belong to. This place that we've worked to create that doesn't accuse us of a lack of faith. Place that gives room for questioning and doubt as we seek to understand who Jesus was. And so because of this place and all we've given to it, we have gratitude. And in our gratitude, we want to give back to this place. Give back to what it has given to us. And so we're going to stop and we're going to listen to how God is calling us to give to this community. And we would give of our finances so that there would be a place to come to next week. That we would give of our time so that tables would be set for others. We'd be, that we'd give of our creativity so that others would experience Jesus in new ways. So let's stop and listen to how God is calling us to give to this place as well as those outside of this place.